Uh, we're going to continue in our sermon series on the threefold office of Christ as prophet, priest, and king. This is a, a way of summarizing Jesus' work and ministry throughout as a sort of a biblical history, but also uh, was present throughout church history. And we made the point last week as we looked at Christ and his prophetic office that just as Jesus has this sort of threefold ministry uh, as disciples, Jesus has also given us uh, a measure of that threefold ministry as well. And so while it's not exactly the same as Jesus in sort of the fullness of that ministry, we too have a prophetic, priestly, and kingly role. And Phil Riken says, according to our various callings, so doesn't matter who you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, we all have some responsibility to speak prophetic words, and we talked last week about what that means, to offer priestly service and to exercise kingly authority. In the, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism from the Protestant Reformation, Christians learn to proclaim their faith using this threefold language, and they said this, because by faith... I'm a member of Christ and thus a partaker of his anointing in order that I also may confess his name, may present myself a living sacrifice and fight against sin and the devil in this life and in eternity rule with him. And if you look at those three aspects, confess his name, that's the prophetic uh, task to present myself a living sacrifice. That's the priestly role and to fight against sin and the devil in this life and in eternity rule with him, that's that kingly or regal role. And so you see that. This is back in 1500s, this sense of uh, sharing in Jesus' own anointing, of course, in a different sort of sense, but there it is. And those three, it's actually really helpful to think of those three together. Here we are. Every member of the body of Christ has that threefold calling. There's a prophetic calling to hear God and to proclaim his word, there's a priestly calling to serve and intercede for others, and there's that regal calling to exercise God's authority in love to his world. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus' anointing in ministry as a prophet. He conveys the truth of God as the word of God. He's the prophet greater than Moses. He brings the gospel and calls people to repentance and to faithfulness. And in our Pentecostal tradition, we believe, of course, in the ongoing reality of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including prophetic words that God gives the believer a particular word for a person, maybe in, a, in prayer or ministry time, or sometimes there's a word for a church or for a situation, and we believe God continues to do that. In fact, last week at our 11 a.m. service, uh, Mrs. Wessel, Janice, felt the Lord put this word on her heart, and so she came forward, and we had a little moment to confer. Yes, this is this sounds good, and and then she shared that with the body. That was an uplifting word for us in that moment from the Lord. And you can read about this throughout the New Testament. Uh, Paul makes it quite clear that the early churches were quite charismatic in this way. That some would come with prophetic words, some would come to sing, some would come to teach, and uh, their services had this range of gifts in operation much like ours do uh, today in our own congregation anyway. Uh, but like the Old Testament prophets and like Jesus, uh, the prophetic uh, calling isn't just about foretelling the future, 
There's also a call to speak the truth of God into the present situation and to call people uh, to repentance and to faith in God. And so I would say, similarly for us, there's sort of a twofold nature when we talk about prophetic office for us. There is that spiritual gift of prophecy or word of knowledge or word of wisdom. But there is also, in a broader sense, in terms of calling people to faithfulness, there's a call for us to live and to declare the truth of the gospel, both in our words but also how we live. And that, that has a prophetic influence in our culture as we choose to live for Jesus. It proclaims the truth of who God is. Sometimes it, it can be a, a gentle, encouraging word that actually speaks prophetically because it opens our hearts to what God would say to us, right? And at the end of the day, that's what that's about is, is hearing and receiving from God. And sometimes those words bring a measure of, of healing and restoration. So that was last week. Jesus is, is the prophet of prophets, we might say. He works miracles. He's, he's teaching. He's guiding. And in him, too, we also have a prophetic call of proclamation. And now this week, we're going to look at Jesus as our high priest and then, and then sm- lowercase priest, our, our own priestly calling. And we're going to look at two passages of Scripture, maybe three. We'll see. Um, but the first one, if you want to turn in your Bible, says Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, and the second one is Hebrews nine. So wherever one you get to first, put your finger in the other spot so you remember. Uh, Hebrews actually is all about Jesus' high priestly work. The whole the whole book is is kind of exploring that idea. But the first one I want to talk about is Second Corinthians five, chapter five verses 17 to 21, and there's two points there that I want to emphasize, but I'm going to read the passage first. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and then entrusting to us that message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then verse 21, and we sang this this morning, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, when you repent of your sins, you are born again. There is new life. You are now in him, the Bible says. You're a new creation, period. The old is gone. The new has come. Yes, you're a work in progress. Yes, we still battle with our sins and with temptation, but the Bible says we've been transformed and made new. Another way to put this is your status before God has been changed. Whether you choose to live in that status or not is kind of another thing, but your status has been changed. Brian, in our Ephesians series, talked about adoption. When you repent and believe in Jesus, you become adopted into God's family. There's a status change from abandonment and isolation to family and adoption. You get a new last name, you might say. 
We move from death to life. Or another way to put this is you, you are removed from bondage to sin, from slavery to sin, and you are emancipated and made free through Jesus. The Bible uses a range of sort of metaphors and imagery to talk about that transition that happens from death to life or from slavery to freedom or from isolation to adoption. And verse 18 in this passage says, God does this work through Jesus. Jesus reconciles us to himself. He does that by making atonement for us on the cross. He reconciles us to the Father and takes the full weight of sin upon himself as he who knew no sin becomes the sin in order to give his life as a ransom for many. And his perfect sacrifice cleanses us in a way that all the Old Testament animal sacrifices never could. And so this idea of Jesus offering this final sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of sins, this is Jesus in his high priestly work, right? The priest is is the one who would bring the sacrifice to mediate between God and the people. And here Jesus is bringing a final ultimate sacrifice as the only one who is both God and humanity in himself. And so he can perfectly mediate between God and us by offering that final sacrifice. And not only is it some other sacrifice, but he's the priest that brings himself as the sacrifice. That's why he's both high priest, but he's also the lamb. He's also the sacrificial lamb himself. And so as the high priest now, 2 Corinthians says, we are called to continue that ministry of reconciliation from 2 Corinthians 5, again, 17 to 21. We are reconciled unto God for a purpose. When you become a Christian, it's not the end of something, it's the beginning of a new life in God. There's a purpose to life that then begins And part of that is about loving God and enjoying him. But part of that also is serving him. And so we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. The third thing I wanted to point out about Jesus' high priestly work comes from Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. I'm going to read this as well. This is Jesus as our high priest secures eternal redemption. Let me read to you Hebrews 9, starting in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats or calves, but by means of his own blood he entered in, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, sanctified for the purification of the flesh, this is referring to the Old Testament pattern, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If you are in Christ, you are secured in him. He's done that work through his blood. And the fourth point is that Jesus, as our high priest, he intercedes for us. He knows the pain of life. This is also from Hebrews. And I want to read a little section from chapter 4. 
says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, the high priest, continues his priestly work of intercession. He intercedes for us. He's ascended into heaven, ascended to the Father, and he continues to serve as a mediator, caring for us from that position. Uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase of this section captures uh, something really great here. He says, we don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. Because of Jesus' high priestly work, we can come before the Lord uh, with confidence, knowing that he loves us, knowing that our sin has been washed away and receiving from him the grace and mercy that we so often need in the everyday moments of life. He continues to make intercession for us. So Jesus, as a high priest, he reconciles us to God. He calls us to a ministry of reconciliation, of extending what we've been given to others. There's an assurance that he's secured eternal redemption through his blood. But he also continues to intercede for us. He understands our weakness. He knows life's pain. This is Jesus in his high priestly work. Now in Christ, as his disciples, we have a priestly calling as well. And it's lived out mainly in serving others. There's a calling of self-sacrifice. Rather than offering animal sacrifices, we're called to have an attitude of caring for others in self-sacrificial service. In fact, the Bible says we offer ourselves in service to God. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. So instead of offering a dead body as a dead, you know, an animal body as a dead sacrifice, we present our bodies as living sacrifices, meaning we give ourselves sacrificially. We lay ourselves down of our own agendas, issues, and uh, motivations sometimes. We lay ourselves and say, Jesus, would you lead and guide me in this life? I submit to you as my Lord and Savior. Not because, you know, I'm particularly amazing, uh, but because of what Jesus has done in me. I can offer myself as living sacrifice. The other aspect of the priestly work of the Christian is about discerning the holy in the ordinary, recognizing that God is present in my daily life, my daily work, whatever it might be, God is present in it and through it, and it can be done as worship unto God. We can start to see the whole world, as Gerard Manley Hopkins reminds us, as charged with the grandeur of God. We also have a priestly summons uh, to persevere in difficult times. To recognize that Jesus, as the Son of God, came 
to serve others, not to be served. And so in the same way, we too are called to serve. That means uh, showing compassion to others, persevering when it gets tough, caring for those around us. And finally, our priestly calling as Christians also means we're not, we're, not, uh, we're not called to bear our burdens alone. There's a sense of living in community and friendship. There's a ministry of presence that we're called to exercise, a ministry of presence. I remember one of my first uh, times preparing for a funeral, uh, going with Pastor Velma to the family's home, and uh, this would have been, I don't know, probably 10 years ago or so, and... We were going. I had never done this before. And, and Velma said, we go with our hearts. And that has stuck with me for the last decade. We go with our hearts. There's a ministry of presence that we offer, of simply showing up and being present to those in need. Uh, sometimes we can wonder, what do I say? What do I do? especially at the bedside of someone who's dying or in the presence of those that are grieving. Let me tell you, um, a big portion of pastoral care in that moment is simply showing up. And uh, sometimes there are no words, and that's okay. But our presence speaks volumes. Our presence matters. It's interesting, uh, thinking back to the Old Testament priests, the Old Testament priests had no territory of their own. They were scattered throughout the tribes of Israel, and, and certain ones would, you know, they would have to take turns fulfilling their work in Jerusalem, right? So they're scattered all over, and then you get, I don't know exactly how the system worked, but it would become your turn. You'd have to go to Jerusalem, and you would fulfill the priestly duties there uh, in the capital. And Philip Riken makes this great observation he says, on occasion, Israel's priests performed their rotation of priestly duties at the temple in Jerusalem. But what prepared them for this priestly ministry was their active participation in the community life of God's people. What prepared the priests for their priestly ministry was being present in the community life of the people of God. And I like this idea that the priestly calling is about being embedded in the life of the community. It's a ministry of presence, being present to those around us. And it was that presence, that ministry, that would shape the priest's hearts so that they could then go and serve when they got to Jerusalem. And if that is part of our calling as well, that means we are called to be present to those around us to be a priestly presence to our neighbors, to be a priestly presence to the rest of your family, maybe especially if, if they don't know God, and you are the priestly presence there. You are the one who is uh, carrying God's presence into that situation. And again, you may think, I don't know what to say or what to do, but God's Spirit is at work in those moments uh, to help you know how to navigate sometimes those, those difficult conversations. But part of our priestly calling is a willingness to be present to one another, both our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to those who don't know him. And so like Jesus, we have a, a calling to service and to sacrifice. It's a, it's a ministry of prayer and a ministry of presence. 
I think of Jesus who is often called and uh, aware of those that are in need. And in the same way as priests under him, we are called to care for others. Uh, in ACOP's vision statement, we, call, we talk about extending grace and igniting hope. That's a big part of our lives. Jesus says in Matthew 25, and this is a, a good summary before we end with these reflection questions and then come to the table. But Jesus' words in Matthew 25 are a good call to us to practice the ministry of presence as priests under the great high priest. This is Matthew 25, starting in verse 35. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. There's that ministry of presence. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Our ministry of presence as priests to those around us is done as service to the king himself. As we care for those around us, we're showing our love and compassion for God. And so I want to end as we transition to the table with these two, well, kind of one, I guess, sort of reflective questions for us. Just as Jesus laid down his life in his love for his world, so too are we called to serve and care for others. And so the question naturally is, well, where has God called you to serve? And it may not be some dramatic answer like, I need to go to Asia tomorrow. You know, I suddenly feel the need to buy a plane ticket. Off I go. But I think more real, I mean, that could be. I mean, be open to that. I don't know. <laughs> not going to, you know. God could do what God will do. Maybe you need to go to India. I don't know. But uh, barring that, sudden dramatic change in your life, uh, where has God called you to serve? Perhaps here at home, right? Uh, to whom are you called to serve right here? And that includes, if you're married, your spouse, that includes if you have children, your children. Uh, your call is first to them if you, are, if you do have a family. But uh, beyond that, not all of us are married. Not all of us have kids. Beyond that, who are you called to serve? Who is it that God has brought along in your life that you are called to extend a priestly ministry of presence to as we live in the security of what Jesus has done for us as his great high priest? Think about that. Who is God calling me to serve in this season of life? And let's pray, and we're going to head to the table. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work as the great high priest, Lord, that you went ahead and took on our sin. You bore it on the cross for us so that all who repent and believe would know that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that in you is the forgiveness and cleansing of our sins. Lord, we thank you for that high priestly work. We thank you that you call us as priests under you, a priesthood of believers, to serve in the same sort of way, to lay down ourselves 
for the mission and ministry that you call us to. And I pray, Lord, that can, that can sound really uh, fearful to some. What does that mean, lay down my life? Does that mean all my interests I just have to give up? Does that mean that um, you're going to make me do something I hate? Um, Jesus, I pray that you would relieve any sense of, of, of uh, you calling us into life and ministry that, <laughs> that where you don't care about us. Lord, you do care about us. And you care uh, about the things that uh, you've put on our hearts that are from you. And so, God, I pray, though, that we would be willing to submit to you and lay down uh, our plans. Just hold those openly before you, Lord, and invite uh, your Holy Spirit to come and lead us and guide us as we seek to live for you. Lord, as we come to this table, uh, this is an act of celebrating your death and your resurrection. And Jesus, I just pray that as we would come today uh, with this bread and this cup, that we would remember afresh uh, your work as great high priests, that you laid down your life for us, offered yourself as the ransom for many. Lay down your life as the lamb to take away the sins of the world. Lord, we love you and we worship you. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for this table. And if there is uh, issues in our lives that we need to deal with, would you show us that? Would you open us to that? If there's issues between other people that we need to deal with before we come to this table, would you show us that, Lord? We thank you for uh, your cleansing and your mercy. And as we come to celebrate this, may it be uh, just a reminder again of your great love for us. We ask this in your name. Amen.